0: Bookworms Horror Podcast is sponsored by Creepy Crate. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi monthly box is filled with over $85 of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book. This box delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99. With free shipping, go to creepycrate.store to subscribe. Use the code bookworm5 at checkout to get $5 off your subscription. That's bookworm5 for $5 off your subscription. And now to the show. Welcome to Bookworm's Horror, the podcast that offers you tips on writing, especially in the horror genre. My name is James Ippolitti, and I host another uplifting daily podcast called Turn Off, Tune Out, and Drop In. If you need a daily pick-me-up to get you creating, check it out. Issue 2 of Bookworm's Horror, the zine is out. It's on the Etsy link. Go check it out. It's in the show notes. Today on the podcast, I talked to Regina about dialogue and use an action and wardrobe to speak for your character. Regina is a Wadi Award winner for Best Horror Novel, as well as multiple screenwriting awards, including a Webby honoree. Regina is also the contributing editor of the best-selling Local Haunts, a horror tube anthology. Find Regina and her alter ego, Batilda, at her booktube channel, Regina's Haunted Library, and on her blog, rstclair.com. Regina and myself are the editors of the Bookworms Horror Zine, and since we're seeking great horror fiction for Bookworms, we created this weekly podcast to offer writers quick tips on writing for the genre. Find all our links in the show notes. Now let's jump into my conversation with Regina as she speaks with me from her haunted library. So this week, we're going to talk about dialogue. We're going to talk about how to be a professional eavesdropper. Hmm. Right? Because Without getting arrested. Yeah, I don't know if you can be addressed. How can you prove it? How can you prove I've been eavesdropping? I enjoy listening to people and how they talk and expressions they use. However, if you were to take a conversation and write it word for word, it doesn't really work. Why do you Hmm. think that is? I
1: guess because it's more about it's not just about the words, it's about the tone and the, the mannerisms connected to the conversation. And that's uh, that's always a challenge for writing fiction because you don't always want to use adverbs mm-hmm. to, you know, like, oh, she said sarcastically. Right. What's a way of conveying, oh, and make it sarcastic, an eye roll Uh, I don't know, something else. Yeah, But,
0: yeah. And and I think the mistake some novice writers is that they do say, oh, I'm going to write just like this teenager talks, and when you put it down on paper, it's just a mess. Like, Mm. there's an art to dialogue in, in a book, right? Yes. Versus everyday life. And we don't normally, if you watch a film or a show or read a book, we don't talk like that. We, we, all these words have been edited. Mm. And so how do you come up with dialogue? What is your secret sauce?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, well, dialogue, it's what you're saying and then what you're not saying.
0: Yes, There's the subtext. The,
1: sub, the subtext of what you're, you're saying. And I think you, you need to be aware of that because otherwise it's, the dialogue can be very much on the nose One of the books I wrote, uh, Black Magic, I had a character who just talked and talked and talked and told a lot of stories. And then the guy who was with was like listening, but thinking this guy's full of it, you know. So he would make these very, every once in a while, like these wry comments, but the guy was so absorbed with himself that he didn't even notice the sarcastic comment. I think when I thought about that dialogue, I, I interjected these little wry comments without saying he said Riley, you know, because <laughs> uh, I hope it was it would be obvious and like little jokes and that kind of thing. When I wrote the dialogue for my vampire story set in Appalachia, and I was happy—it's called Code Red. I was happy that a lot of people liked my uh, my character Silas Cooter, who was this old coot. So that name kind of fit, uh, Vietnam vet, old guy. And he had like, every line was some kind of, uh, Southern expression. And I really had fun coming up with that dialogue. Like he would say things like if that boy had an idea, it would die of loneliness, you know, this <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and I picked Joe's brain cause he's from Virginia and he's, you know, been around a lot of hillbillies, uh, a bit of a hillbilly himself. (laughs) So he would, I would ask him for some of these and I I would die laughing because I had never heard of a lot of them. But, and then some of them I did research. I went online and, and like looked up Southern Expressions and then I would ask Joe about it. He's like, well, I heard it this way. So I would change it a little bit. And that was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed the dialogue, working on the dialogue in that book. But I don't know, just kind of keep it natural. If you have your I think it, it begins with the character. If you have the character down, think about how the character talks.
0: Yeah. What
1: I, they say and what they don't say.
0: I think another thing you brought up like the adverbs, but it's also like you don't have to run around saying like John ran out of the house and he exclaimed. Like you like you know oh, like right. mm-hmm. all these other ways like he yell, like if you're writing it and the story, like you'll understand that they're angry, like he said angrily, like you said, like it's okay to just use he said, she said in places that would naturally occur, like when the, the the conversation gets quiet, you can say he said, she said, because the trick is that those he says and she says, if you do it well, will be invisible to the reader, right? You know, right. it will be just that's you like. I, I think you hear that more on audiobooks than when you're Hmm. reading. When audiobooks, you'll hear he said, she said a lot, but in reading it, you don't see it really.
1: Well, I remember when I was in school, and this was, of course, a long time ago, uh, we were taught to try to find other words besides said, you know, like. That's ridiculous, John, ejaculated. You know, that was, <laughs> if you read, that's actually a word. I know that means, it is. You know, I know it
0: is. We used to laugh because I went to Catholic school.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I bet you had fun with that one. Yeah,
0: the principal would come on the speaker and be like, you could say a prayer or an ejaculation, something like that. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, and the kids <laughs> snickered.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that people now just advise that you use said, and a good editor will catch that. And there is that when you have, he said, she said, but then you can, if you're establishing a conversation back and forth, you don't have to always put who's, which character's speaking because it's understood. That's just a craft thing. You don't want to always repeat the he said, she said, because that can get tedious, but.
0: I think it's interesting also if you are eavesdropping and you're taking mm. notes to not just say, write down what that person said, write down what you think the age of that person is, what gender they are, you know, what are they wearing? Because I think you're not gonna have an 83-year-old woman saying the same thing that a 17-year-old uh, teenager would say. And I think if you just write down the the word, you might put that in the mouth of somebody it wouldn't normally come out of. So make sure you take a good description of the person saying it with your notebook. I think, to your point about getting arrested, don't secretly record people with your phones.
1: (laughs) No, that's rude. But definitely, I mean, there are some things that, like hilarious things that I've overheard that we still have, Joe and I, or other people in my family, we still joke about. Like once, I think it was Charlie and I, my nephew and I were somewhere and we passed this, um. A older woman who was smoking a cigarette and someone asked, Ma, you ready? And she said, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> and we always say that to each other. Are you ready? <laughs> ready as I'll ever be. You know, so it's funny when You can give your characters, maybe not funny, but try to give your characters signature lines or things that they might repeat.
0: Uh, Yeah, I know that in... You know
1: what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, in the movie um, Night of the Creeps with Tom Atkins. Oh,
1: I've never seen that. uh,
0: It was just at the Colonial, and they did like a whole Atkins night where it was like three movies, and uh, that was one of them. And his line was, thrill me. Like when he would mm. come, in, he was a cop that would come into the crime scene, and when he walked in, he's like instead of saying what's going on, he would always say "thrill me" in every scene that he's coming onto the scene. It was cool. And they had little um, beer. What are they called that you put your beer in to keep it uh, cool?
1: Oh, okay, like the beer beer holder thing. Yeah,
0: and it was it just said "thrill me" on it, which was really cool. They were selling those.
1: Oh, um, I was watching Joe, and I watched a movie. This one of my favorite comedies, and I, it still holds up today. Is the old. Uh, in-laws with Alan Arkin Mm -hmm. and Peter Falk. You've seen that, right? Yeah. It's hilarious. And there's this one thing, and Joe and I have been saying this to each other, where Peter Falk, they're driving down the road in Honduras or wherever they're at, and Peter Falk is like, they're getting chased, and he's just like, okay. And then he (laughs) turns the car, like does the car like in a spin, and every time it's like, okay.
0: That's totally Peter Falk, too. It's
1: it's totally Peter Falk, but... Interestingly, after I watched it, I did a deep dive on YouTube about that movie, and there was an interview with Alan Arkin, and he's like, he said, we improvised very little. It was all in the script. Really? Yes. The serpentine thing, which is so hilarious. And he said the only thing he remembered is Peter Falk tells this crazy story about getting a chicken sandwich. Like, they're in in horrible danger, and he's like, did I ever tell you about the time? (laughs) And then there's a really funny line when they're in front of the firing squad and they're about to be executed. And Alan Arkin's like, OK, what's the plan? What's the plan? He's like, and Peter Falk's like, I, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. What have you got? This <laughs> is like hilarious stuff like that. Like, I'm actually remembering these lines of dialogue because they're so good. And the thing about the T.C. flies. So if you want a good lesson in comedy writing watch that movie because it's not not the remake I haven't seen the remake but I heard it wasn't very good but
0: I'm sure it's not speaking of films and one that I always bring up uh, in Jaws Mm. because the shark didn't work Carl Gottlieb who was writing had so many rewrites because he would be listening on the island and catching all these little things. And I think oh. that's what makes the film feel like it really is on this Amity Island. It, it really does. Because he would sit there and hear all these things that people would say and he'd go back into the cabin and take up, you know, the typewriter and rewrite it. And that was fortunate for him because he just had so much time because the shark wasn't working. So he had time to listen and go in and tweak and tweak and tweak. And a lot of those things that we hear, you know, are straight from the Islanders mouths.
1: Well, what's great about that movie, and I'm sure you, you could probably recite all the lines of dialogue from that movie, but even though so much of it is spent with just the three characters on the ocean, Mm -hmm. the townspeople have such character. Yes. and, from you know just all the stuff at the at the town meeting on the dock at the beach it, they're really well rounded characters and they probably fit into certain conventions like you have the mayor who's the foil of the situation and uh i I always like the i don't know you probably know her name, but um the the lady who's like you're not an islander unless she
0: you- yeah yeah she's like uh well, I was just saying this to Chris the other day. Um, he said something like, "When I was like, never, never, Ellen, you're not yes. born here. You're not an <laughs> Islander." Right. <laughs> and
1: then, during the meeting, she she said, "Like, I don't think that's funny. I don't, I don't think, think that's like, funny
0: at all." And I think you brought up a great point. It's not, and this this relates to last week with character, and this week with dialogue. Your little people that show up and help your main characters mm. should be believable as well.
1: Absolutely. And that very, very true. And if they're not, I mean, don't make the mistake of thinking that, well, the, like the mom characters, just she's just a mom. There's no such thing as just a mom. Yeah. And if you're thinking like that about your character, you're not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. There's no just a mom. Each person has an individual character. And that should be revealed somehow in in action (laughs) let's go back to that you know in action and dialogue and and little dress little things but don't think of them as like a generic person everyone has a story in that scene going from
0: filmmaking with gemini rising and mm-hmm. writing your books, do you find that your character development and writing dialogue is similar? Or is there different when you're you're writing for a book?
1: I think I think character is one of my strong points. I'm not the best at eloquent prose and turning a beautiful phrase. I you know I, I try, but I think creating characters where I I believe I shine. I mean someone could disagree but i feel confident in in my character development i really think that comes from having a theater background and then going into film and studying movies you know like the just like we were talking what makes a good character in a movie a lot of it is the actor's talent creating that character but what is it that they're expressing in their acting that you can then put into prose, because those little details are what makes a great uh, character, like talking about Jaws, because everyone knows Jaws, just, I know we've mentioned this before, I, one, th- one thing I've always loved is seeing the mayor with his anchor yeah. blazer, yep. that was a brilliant, whoever was the costume designer, really did a brilliant job with that, it's subtle, but it, it just like, you know, you see that blazer, and you know who that guy is. Yep. It's like the example with uh Paper Moon. You know who that character is from that action, you see the blazer and good costume designing, you know, does that enriches that character and can shape a character. Well, you can do that with your writing by describing what they're wearing. Make it really specific. If you have a person like <laughs> like we sat next to this uh, couple in a restaurant recently and the guy, they were kind of like snooty about us sitting so close to them. And we kind of picked up on this vibe. And then when we left, Joe's like, well, what do you expect with a guy who doesn't wear socks with his loafers? <laughs> I was just like, so not everyone would think that way about a guy with wearing, uh, you know, not wearing socks with his loafers, but you could add that to your character description and it could say something about that character. Yes.
0: You know what a great movie is when it comes to costume design and character development is burn after reading.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: You have Malkovich, John Malkovich. Oh, my
1: God. I know what you're going to say. the beginning the
0: film <laughs> is in this, like, expensive suit. His shoes are shined. They're perfect. By the mm-hmm. end of the movie, he's in a bathrobe in his underwear wielding an axe.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And it's, like, just in costume design, we saw this arc of this character throughout the right.
1: movie. Right. And that's, and that's brilliant costume design in In accordance with the character Mm -hmm. and the actor when all of those elements are in place you've got a great film or you know and you can do that with your writing I think people neglect description in that way it doesn't have to be a long paragraph but like little little things little little observations can tell you so much about a character it and how they uh and how they speak but also like what they wear and how they wear it. If you know, if someone's just, I saw a guy like walking through a parking lot. Now people dress very casually today. Yeah, I know, think in it general
0: is, it's from COVID.
1: <laughs> you think it's from COVID? Yeah, like I'm seeing, you know, pajama bottoms and and slippers, you know, dragging feet well, through the parking lot you, kind
0: of thing. You recall Crocs? No one would be caught dead in Crocs. Mm-hmm. I wear them now but I'm just saying people wear crocs with socks which was like are you kidding me like I would have been beat up
1: it, i know it's
0: literally so laid back today
1: I know I, I was passing a group of high school girls and they were all wearing like what looked like pajama bottoms or sweatpants yep. and and like and, and the shuffling in the feet and I'm like wow even when I taught high school like it was less than 20 years ago people would Put on a little effort. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's gone. Those days are gone. That's
1: gone. So, so someone who meticulously dresses up tells you something. Like, one of my favorite uh, serial books that, like, a mystery are the McNally books. Mm-hmm. And I I love them. It's like, it's my guilty pleasure. I've read so many times and I just can't get enough, but there's always those little details about what, how McNally dresses and his English Oval Cigarette and this kind of thing. These just little details you get to know and it tells you a lot about the character.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if you're writing in a period timepiece, like if you're writing mm-hmm. something in the 50s and your man is not wearing a top hat and a suit, right, or has facial mm-hmm. hair, that tells a lot about that character from that time period. Yeah, Stephen King did this in eleven twenty two sixty three with um, Kennedy. His main character goes back in time, and he's got like a goatee, and he's like, "You can't, you can't have that." Right. And so he had to dress a certain way, you know. He had to have his face look a certain way, like all these instructions of what he had to do to fit in that time, and and that spoke so much about like what the character and what the time also.
1: Yes, and because I do costume design. In my other life, uh, I very I get very annoyed when they get the period wrong, mm-hmm. and they so often do. Like I was watching, and it's not a bad film, The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. I don't know if you've seen no, it. No,
0: someone told me I should see it, but I haven't seen it's it. It's
1: good. I enjoyed it. I I don't want to highly recommend it because she might hate it, but I got a lot out of it. I thought it was fun. But it's supposed to take place in the late '80s, mm-hmm. and the mom character looked like she's she stepped out of today. Yeah. There was nothing 80s about her look at all. Nothing. And it annoyed me to no end. I'll tell and you. I, that, and I got distracted.
0: If you want to see good costume design for the 80s, there's the series called The Americans. Okay. And that's with, um, oh, I love her, but she's a, uh, what's her name? She was uh, Felicity.
1: Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but I can't remember name. They do her some name.
0: really, she plays, well, This. She, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, they do some really good costumes on the internet.
1: And I feel like they get most period pieces, even if they get the clothes right, very, very few of them ever get the hair right. And I think it might be the actors don't want, actors are very vain about their hair. They don't want that hair.
0: It's interesting, though. I just saw something today. You can't ever win. There was somebody who posted something today about the movie Dazed and Confused, Mm. because the car was right for the time period but the rims on the wheels
1: oh, wow. yep <laughs> were
0: wrong and I'm like who notices these things
1: but, well Joe notices like things about instruments mm-hmm. like they didn't have that banjo back in 1925 <laughs> you know that kind of thing
0: <laughs> right alright well I think that's it for this week and we'll be back next week with a new topic okay alright thanks Thank you for tuning in to the Bookworms Horror Podcast. All our links are in the show notes. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Bookworms is a Gorilla Delphia production.